Chapter twenty three of Naval Occasions by Bartimaeus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty three The Greater Love the sun was setting behind a lurid bank of cloud above the hills of spain and as is usual at gibraltar about that hour a light breeze sprang up it eddied round the rock and scurried across the harbour leaving dark cat's paws in its trail finally it reached the inner mole alongside which a cruiser was lying a long pendant of white bunting that all day had hung listlessly from the main topmast stirred wavered and finally bellied out astern the gilded bladder at the tail bobbing uneasily over the surface of the water the officer of the watch leaned over the rail and watched the antics of the bladder round which a flock of querulous gulls circled and screeched the paying-off pendant looks as if it were impatient he said laughingly to an engineer lieutenant standing at his side footnote a pendant one and a quarter times the length of the ship flown by ships homeward bound under orders to pay off End footnote. the other smiled in his slow way and turned seaward nodding across the bay towards algeciras not much longer to wait there's the steamer with the mail coming across now he took a couple of steps across the deck and turned only another twelve hundred miles isn't it ripping to think of after three years he rubbed his hands with boyish satisfaction all the coal in and stowed boats turned in funnels smoking that's what i like to see only the mail to wait for now and the gauges down below he waggled his forefinger in the air laughing like that the lieutenant nodded and hitched his glass under his arm your middle watch shorty mine too we start working up for our passage trial then don't we whack her up lad for england home and beauty the engineer lieutenant walked towards the hatchway what do you think and went below humming from ushant to silly the lieutenant on watch turned and looked up at the rock towering over the harbour above the green shuttered pink and yellow houses and dusty sun-dried vegetation the grim pile was flushing rose-colour against the pure sky how familiar it was he thought this great milestone on the road to the east and mused a while wondering how many dawns he had lain under its shadow how many more sunsets he would watch and marvel at across the purple bay british as brixton he had read the phrase in a book describing gibraltar so it was when you were homeward bound he resumed his measured pacing to and fro the ferry steamer had finished her short voyage and had gone alongside the wharf out of sight behind an arm of the mole not much longer to wait now he glanced at his wristwatch posty wouldn't waste much time getting back not all the beer in waterport street nor all the glamour of the ramps would lure him astray to-night the lieutenant paused in his measured stride and beckoned a side-boy tell the signalman to let me know directly the postman is sighted coming along the mole he resumed his leisurely promenade wondering how many letters there would be for him and who would write his mother of course and ted at charter house his speculations roamed afield anyone else then he suddenly remembered the engineer lieutenant imitating the twitching gauge needle with his forefinger lucky beggar he was there was someone waiting for him who mattered more than all the teds in the world more even than a mother at least he supposed 
his thoughts became abruptly sentimental and tender a signalman coming helter-skelter down the ladder interrupted them as the commander stepped out of his cabin on to the quarter-deck postman coming with the mail sir a few minutes later a hoist of flags whirled hurriedly to the masthead asking permission to proceed in execution of previous orders what those orders were even the paying-off pendant knew trailing aft over the stern walk in the light wind the rock lay far astern like a tinted shadow an opal set in a blue-gray sea once beyond the straits the wind freshened and the cruiser began to lift her lean bows to the swell flinging the spray aft along the forecastle in silver rain the marine bugler steered an unsteady course to the quarter-deck hatchway and sounded the officers dinner call officers wives eat puddings and pies but sailors wives eat skilly chanted the lieutenant of the impending first watch swaying to the roll of the ship as he adjusted his tie before the mirror he thumped the bulkhead between his cabin and the adjoining one buck up shorty he shouted it's saturday night at sea your night for a glass of port sweethearts and wives called another voice across the flat you get drunk to-night snatcher if you try to drink at all the voice died away and rose again in expostulation with the marine servant well does it look like a clean shirt give it a shake pay and put it on like a man someone else had joined in from across the flat the engineer lieutenant pushed his head inside his neighbor's cabin come along come along you'll be late for dinner fresh grub to-night no more russian comiskies and fanny adams one second right they linked arms and entered the wardroom as the president tapped the table for grace the surgeon scanned the menu with interest jesus wait diet he ejaculated quoting from an old service story listen and read out soup clear that's boiled swabs interposed the junior watchkeeper mr president sir i object this officer's unladylike conversation round of port fine him interrupted several laughing voices go on doc what next fish mullets main drain loungers from the junior watchkeeper isn't he a little lord fauntleroy two rounds of port entree russian komeskis a roar of protest and mutton cutlets goat he means what an orgy go on fain would we hear the worst fair chirurgian blathered the paymaster joint joint mutton or princely munificence murmured the first lieutenant he's not a messman he's a uh what's the word philanthropist what's the awful alternative there isn't any it's scratched out the a p and the junior watchkeeper clung to each other the originality of the creature and the duff rice pudding ah me alack a day alas the paymaster tore his hair i must prophesy must prophesy shut up everyone shut up he closed his eyes and pawed the air feebly i'm a medium i'm going to prophesy i feel it coming the savory is the savory is there was a moment's tense silence sardines on toast he opened his eyes am i right sir thank you the surgeon leaned forward and picking up the massive silver shooting trophy that occupied the centre of the table handed it to a waiter 
take it to the paymaster please first prize for divination and second sight and you snatcher you'll go down for another round of port if you keep on laughing with your mouth full so the meal progressed the mullets were disentangled from their paper jackets amid a rustling silence of interrogation the worcester sauce aided and abetted the disappearance of the russian kromeskis as it had so often done before the mutton was voted the limit and the rice pudding held evidence that the cook's hair wanted cutting the junior watchkeeper proud officer of that functionary's division vowed he'd have it cut in a manner which calls for no description in these pages there weren't any sardines on toast the philanthropist appeared in person with dusky upturned palms to deplore the omission oh signor hola faniche i make mistake no have got sardines signor dear old ah ying sighed the engineer lieutenant i never really loved him till this minute why did we leave him at hong kong and embark this snake in the grass no sardines but for all that every one seemed to have made an admirable meal and the chaplains for what we have received thank god brought it to a close the table was cleared the wine decanters passed round and once again the president tapped with his ivory mallet there was a little silence mr vice the king the first lieutenant raised his glass gentlemen the king the king murmured the mess with faces grown suddenly decorous and grave at that moment the corporal of the watch entered he glanced down the table and approaching the junior watchkeeper's chair saluted and said something in an undertone the junior watchkeeper nodded finished his port and rose folding his napkin his neighbor the engineer lieutenant leaned back in his chair speaking over his shoulder your first watch james the other nodded then with mock solemnity may i remind you that our lives are in your hands till twelve o'clock don't forget that will you the junior watchkeeper laughed i'll bear it in mind at the doorway he turned with a smile it won't be the first time your valuable life has been there or the last we'll hope we'll hope not shorty the buzz of talk and chaff had again begun to ebb and flow round the long table the first lieutenant lit a cigarette and began collecting napkin rings placing them eventually in a row after the manner of horses at the starting post seven to one on the field bar one chief your rings disqualified it would go through the ship's side now wait for the next roll stand by clear the flower-pot disqualified be blowed why i turned it myself when i was a student out of a bit of brass i stole can't help that it weighs a ton scratched at the post the commander tapped the table with his little hammer may i remind you all that it's saturday night at sea and gave the decanters a little push towards his left-hand neighbor the first lieutenant brushed the starters into a heap at his side the faintest shadow passed across his brow so it is echoed several voices now shorty fill up snatcher you'd better have a bucket there's a burma girl a-settin and i know she thinks port number one the first lieutenant signed an imperceptible negation and pushed the decanter round murmuring something about hereditary gout it was ten years since he had drunk that toast since a certain tragic dawn stealing into the bedroom of a south sea lodging found him on his knees at a bedside 
they all knew the story as men in naval messes afloat generally do know each other's tragedies and joys and yet his right-hand neighbor invariably murmured the same formula as he passed the wine on saturday nights at sea in its way it was considered a rather subtle intimation that no one wanted to pry into his sorrow even to the extent of presuming that he would never drink that health again in the same way they all knew that it was the one occasion on which the little engineer lieutenant permitted himself the extravagance of wine he was saving up to get married and perhaps for the reason that he had never mentioned the fact every one not only knew it but loved and chaffed him for it the decanters travelled round and the first lieutenant leaned across to the engineer lieutenant who was contemplatively watching the smoke of his cigarette there was a whimsical smile in the grave level eyes i suppose we shall have to think about rigging a garland before long eh footnote a garland of evergreens is triced up to the triatic stay between the masts on the occasion of an officer's marriage End footnote. the other laughed half shyly yes before long i hope number one down came the ivory hammer gentlemen sweethearts and wives and may they never meet added the engineer commander in reality the most domesticated and blameless of husbands it was the ambition of his life to be esteemed a sad dog and that men should shake their heads over him crying fie the first lieutenant gathered together his silver rings now then clear the table she's rolling like a good'un seven to one on the field bar speech broke in the paymaster speech shorty few words by a young officer about to embark on the troubled sea in matrimony hints on the home the prospective bridegroom shook his head laughing and coloured in a way rather pleasant to see he rose pushing in his chair in the inside pocket of his mess-jacket was an unopened letter saved up to read over a pipe in peace my advice to you all is don't from the engineer commander mind your own business and the engineer lieutenant fled from the mess amid derisive shouts of coward the voice of the first lieutenant rose above the hubbub seven to one on the field and what about a jump or two chuck up the menu card pay now boys roll bowl or pitch every time a blood orange or a good cigar the officer of the first watch leaned out over the bridge rails peering into the darkness that enveloped the forecastle and listening intently the breeze had freshened and the cruiser slammed her way into a rising sea labouring with the peculiar motion known as a corkscrew roll the night was very dark presently he turned and walked to the chart-house door inside the navigation officer was leaning over the chart wrinkling his brows as he pencilled a faint line pilot said the other just step out here a second the navigator looked up pushing his cap from his forehead what's up i think the starboard anchor is talking i wish you'd come and listen a moment the navigator stepped out onto the bridge closing the chart house door after him and paused a moment to accustom his eyes to the darkness dark night isn't it wind's getting up too he walked to the end of the bridge and leaned out the ship plunged into a hollow with a little shudder and then flung her bows upwards into a cascade of spray a dull metallic sound detached itself from the sibilant rushing of water and the beat of waves against the ship's side repeating faintly with each roll of the ship from the neighbourhood of the anchor bed the navigator nodded 
yes one of the securing chains wants tautening i should say saltash luck for someone footnote saltash luck is a thorough wetting End footnote. he moved back into the chart house and picked up the parallel rulers again the lieutenant of the watch went to the head of the ladder and called the boatswain's mate who was standing in the lee of the conning tower yarning with the corporal of the watch pipe the duty sub of the watch to fall in with oilskins on when they're present take them on to the forecastle and set up the securing chain of the starboard bower anchor something's worked loose see that any one who goes outside the rail has a bowline on aye aye sir the boatswain's mate descended the ladder giving a few preliminary cheeps with his pipe before delivering himself of his tidings of saltash luck to the duty sub of the port watch the officer of the watch gave an order to the telegraph man on the bridge and far below in the engine-room they heard the clang of the telegraph gongs he turned into the chart house and opened the ship's log glancing at the clock as he did so then he wrote with a stumpy bit of pencil nine eighteen decreased speed to six knots duty sub secured starboard bower anchor he returned to the bridge and leaned over the rail straining his eyes into the darkness and driving spray towards the indistinct group of men working on the streaming forecastle in the light of a swaying lantern he could make out a figure getting out on to the anchor bed another was turning up with a rope's end he heard the faint click of a hammer on metal the ship lurched and plunged abruptly into the trough of a sea an oath clear-cut and distinct tossed aft on the wind and a quick shout he turned aft and rushed to the top of the ladder bawling down between curved palms with the strength of his lungs the engineer lieutenant who left the wardroom after dinner did not immediately go on deck he went first to his cabin where he filled and lit a pipe and changed his mess jacket for a comfortable loose-fitting monkey jacket then he settled down in his armchair wedged his feet against the bunk to steady himself against the roll of the ship and read his letter often as he read he smiled and once he blinked a little misty-eyed the last sheet he re-read several times Quote, oh isn't it good to think of it was almost worth the pain of separation to have this happiness now to know that every minute is bringing you nearer i wake up in the morning with that happy sort of feeling that something nice is going to happen soon and then i realize you are coming home i jump out of bed and tear another leaf off the calendar there are only nine left now and then comes one marked with a big cross do you know the kind of happiness that hurts or is it only a girl who can feel it i pray every night that the days may pass quickly and that you may come safely it was a very ordinary little love letter with its shy admixture of love and faith and piety the sort so few men ever earn and so many in heaven's mercy are suffered to receive the recipient folded it carefully replaced it in its envelope and put it in his pocket then he lifted his head suddenly listening down below the engine-room telegraph gong had clanged and the steady beat of the engine slowed with an eye on his wrist-watch he counted the muffled strokes of the piston decreased to six knots what was the matter fog he rose and leaned over his bunk peering through the scuttle quite clear 
he decided to light a pipe and go on deck for a breather before turning in and glanced at the little clock ticking on the bulkhead twenty past nine ten minutes walk on the quarter-deck and then to bed it was his middle watch as he left his cabin someone in the wardroom began softly playing the piano and the paymaster's clear baritone joined in singing a song about somebody's grey eyes watching for somebody else the mess was soaking in sentiment to-night must be the effect of saturday night at sea he reflected he reached the quarter-deck and stood looking round swaying easily with the motion of the ship the sea was getting up and the wind blew a stream of tiny sparks from his pipe farther aft the sentry on the life-boys was mechanically walking his beat now toiling laboriously up a steep incline now trying to check a too precipitous descent the engineer lieutenant watched him for a moment listening to the note of the piano tinkling up through the open skylight from the wardroom i know of two white arms waiting for me the singer had started another verse the engineer lieutenant smiled faintly and walked to the ship's side to stare out into the darkness why on earth had they slowed down a sudden impatience filled him every minute was precious now why man overboard away lifeboat crews not for nothing had the officer of the watch received a masts and yards upbringing the wind forward caught the stentorian shout and hurled it along the booms and battery aft to the quarter-deck where the little engineer lieutenant was standing one hand closed over the glowing bowl of his pipe the other thrust into his trouser pocket the engine-room telegraph began clanging furiously the sound passing up the casings and ventilators into the night then the boatswain's mate sent his ear-piercing pipe along the decks calling away the lifeboat's crew the sentry on the lifebuoys wrenched at the releasing knob of one of his charges and ran across to the other the leaden seconds passed and the engineer lieutenant still stood beside the rail mechanically knocking the ashes from his pipe then something went past on the crest of a wave something white that might have been a man's face or broken water showing up in the glare of a scuttle a sound out of the darkness that might have been the cry of a low-flying gull now it may be argued that the engineer lieutenant ought to have stayed where he was going overboard on such a night was too risky for a man whose one idea was to get home as quickly as possible who a moment before had chaffed at the delay of reduced speed furthermore he had in his pocket a letter bidding him come home safely and for three years he had denied himself his little luxuries for love of her who wrote it all the same would she have him stand and wonder if that was a gull he had heard love of woman love of life mighty factors almost supreme yet a mortal has stayed in a wrecked stokehold amid the scalding steam to find and shut a valve leper settlements have their doctors and pastor and a very gallant gentleman walks unhesitatingly into an anarctic blizzard to show there is love stronger and higher even than these the engineer lieutenant was concerned with none of these fine thoughts for one second he did pause looking about as if for somewhere to put his pipe then he tossed it onto the deck scrambled over the rail and took a deep breath and dived the marine sentry ran to the side of the ship christ he gasped and forsook his post to cry the tale aloud along the seething battery the ship shuddered as the engines were reversed and the water under the stern began to seethe and churn 
the commander had left his cabin and was racing up to the bridge as the captain reached the quarter-deck a knot of officers gathered on the after-bridge pins out sir shouted the coxswain of the sea-boat and added under his breath oars all ready lads stand by to pull like bloody hell there's two of em in the ditch the boat was hanging a few feet above the tumbling water slip shouted a voice from the invisible forebridge an instant's pause and the boat dropped with a crash on to a rising wave there was a clatter and thud of oars in rowlocks the clanking of the chain slings and the boat with her motley clad life-belted crew slid off down the slant of a wave for a moment the glare of an electric light lit the faces of the men tugging and straining grimly at their oars then she vanished to reappear a moment later on the crest of a sea and disappeared again into the darkness the commander on the forebridge snapped up a megaphone shouting downwind pull to starboard cutter make for the lifebuoy light the watchers on the afterbridge were peering into the night with binoculars and glasses the a p extended an arm and forefinger there's the lifebuoy there now there do you see it you can just see the flare when it lifts on a wave ah that's better the dazzling white beam from a searchlight on the forebridge leaped suddenly into the night now we can see the cutter the beam wavered a moment and finally steadied yes there they are i say there's a devil of a sea running ripping sea-boats our service cutters are said another staring through his glasses they'll live in almost anything but this isn't a dangerous sea the skipper'll turn in a minute and make a lee for them think old shorty reached the buoy probably swimming about looking for the other fellow if i know anything of him who did he go in after one of the duty sub they were securing the anchor or something forward and the bowline slipped by gad he's got him there's the buoy yes two of them good old shorty my god good old shorty the speaker executed a sort of war-dance and trod on the paymaster's toes when you've quite finished snatcher by the way what about hot water bottles blankets stimulants first aid come along assure the patient in a loud voice that he is safe aspect cheerful but subdued i learned the whole rigmarole once from the fore upper bridge the captain was handling his ship like a picket-boat midships steady stop both he raised his mouth from the voice-pipe to the helmsman and nodded to the officer of the watch she'll do now the wind'll take her down the commander leaned over the rail and called the boatswain's mate clear lower deck man the falls the ranks of men along the ship's side turned inboard and passed the ropes aft in readiness to hoist the boat there were three hundred men on the falls standing by to whisk the cutter to the davit heads like a cockle shell they've got em got em both murmured the deep voices they spat impatiently what say lads stamp and go with her silence in the battery marry the commander was leaning over the bridge rails the surgeon and two sick berth stewards were waiting by the davits alongside the cutter was rising and falling on the waves all right sir the voice of the coxswain came up as if from the deep they had hooked the plunging boat on somehow and his thumbnail was a pulp three hundred pairs of eyes turned towards the forebridge hoist away no need for the boatswain's mate to echo the order no need for the petty officer with a will then lads they rushed aft in a wild stampede hauling with every ounce of beef and strength in their bodies the cutter dripping and swaying her crew fending her off the rolling ship with their stretchers shot up to the davits 
high enough the rush stopped like one man another pull on the afterfall enough she was hoisted walk back lie to a tense silence fell upon the crowded battery the only sound that of men breathing hard a limp figure was seen descending the jacob's ladder out of the boat assisted by two of the crew heady hands were outstretched to help and the next moment willie sparling ordinary seaman official number one three seven two eight was once more on the deck of the man-of-war a place he never expected to see again ow he winced my my shoulder is erted he looked round at the familiar faces lit by the electric lights and jerked his head back at the boat hanging from her davits he saved my life look after him he's a he's a bleeding ero and willie sparling with a broken collarbone collapsed dramatically enough the engineer lieutenant swung himself down onto the upper deck and stooped to wring the water from his trousers the surgeon seized him by the arm come along shorty in between the blanket with you the hero of the moment disengaged his arm and shook himself like a terrier blankets be blowed it's my middle watch the surgeon laughed plenty of time for that it's only just after half-past nine what about a hot toddy lord i thought i'd been in the water for hours yes by jove a hot toddy he paused and looked round his face suddenly anxious by the way any one seen a pipe sculling about down below the telegraph gongs clanged and the ship's bows swung round onto her course heading once more for england home and beauty End of chapter 23